Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, CFC, your host, and we have a very special guest today, Mr. Bodwin. What's up, everybody? I'm glad to be on. Wow. This is a legendary podcast. I just want to let everybody know, even though it's a short podcast, only four or five episodes, but this is definitely a special, special episode. Hey, quality over quantity, am I right? That's exactly right. Love it, love it. So, Bodwin, I want to talk a little bit about some segregation and oppression and resistance and empowerment, all from in the past. Obviously, you teach APUS, and one of the very main topics from my learning in APUS this year was there's a lot of racism and segregation and slavery that happened in the past. So, do you have any, any kind of uh, information that you have? Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I talk about when I teach APUSH is how, um, how unfortunately, slavery played such a huge role in the, the foundation of America um, and in the early years of the Republic. Uh, and we still, to this day, have not, <clears throat> excuse me, have not fully recovered from that as a country. I think, uh, you know, in in the news in the past couple of weeks, we've seen, you know, unfortunately uh, instances of, of examples of racism still being alive in our country. Okay. Um, but I think that um, the, the slave system, which lasted, you know, really from 1607 um, in what is now the United States, if we're talking about the British settlement um, up through uh, 1865 with abolition, uh, but then, you know, from 1865 to 1965, we have a period of um, of Jim Crow, of black codes, of sharecropping, of tenant farming. Um, and we, we have so many factors that are still preventing um, still preventing people of color from from living a truly free life. Uh, and I would argue that they still have more barriers today than uh, than a lot of a lot of other populations, mainly obviously the white population has the most privileged, but um, yeah, I think, I think it's just played a huge role in, in the founding of America, um, unfortunately, and, and in a lot of really every period of us history. That's right. Um, I read a book this year in, uh, in the, and it was called kindred. Um, have you heard anything about it or have you ever read it? I have, but could you refresh me and give me like a quick synopsis? Of course. So there is a woman named Dana and she one day just figures out that she actually has the power to go back in time. But the problem is, is she cannot control it or control when it happens. And when she does go back in time, she goes back to Maryland in 18, 18 something. I forget. I forget the year, but she goes back to slavery and she's actually on a plantation that her great grandfather is the son of who runs the plantation um he does not know that she is his uh kind of relative but she has to save him every single time she goes back from a near-death experience that would then have her die like she would never even be exist like she'd never exist if if he died so she has to save him every single time she goes back and each time the slavery gets worse and he becomes even worse and, you know, he kind of gets into alcohol. He, he becomes more like his father and is 
really just a, a not very nice person. Um, and he is one of the main reasons that we have oppression as one of our um, topics okay. because he, he just, he's, a, he's not a very good person. And he, he uses his power as a white person against all of the slaves to a, a, a very bad extent. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of my readings and see what was in chapter two of Kindred. Dana goes back from L.A. in 1976 to Maryland in 1815, and Rufus tries to start a fire. So this is one of the first times that she has to save him. This is the second time because it is chapter two, and every single chapter she goes back. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a quote. Um, you know you're going to pay for uh, – you know you're going to pay for that. I guess you'll do as well as your sister. This is actually a very tense moment where – Dana actually finds herself uh, stuck. She just helped a, a family um, kind of get out of a sticky situation with some slave owners. Um, and she actually just was found by a white man. And he, he, wanted, to, um, he, he wanted to rape her, um, unfortunately. And this is actually on page 49. Um, and this, this really shows oppression. And um empowerment because this this white male has the power and has the ability to um kind of take advantage of her and um it's really unfortunate to see and it shows um all of the wrong that happened um in in the past and it's 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 really a bad situation for her yeah that's awful yep um, and so basically another quote from chapter three, but it was matched with bitter disappointment when I threw his first A plus into the hearth. So she, she just quizzed a, a kid on some English. Um, he's a slave child. He was born a slave and she is actually tutoring him and she can't, she's not allowed to do that. She's just doing it, um, kind of behind the, the slave owner's backs. Okay. And so she actually had to throw it into the the fire because Mr. Whalen is coming and that he he's the like he's the plantation owner. Um so he's coming and she sees that kind of this isn't a good situation so she actually had to throw it into the fire. But he actually still sees what's going on cuz there's still the book out uh that they were that they were quizzing on and he actually beats her almost to death and she that's that's when she goes back usually when she's afraid or she's in a sticky situation she goes back in uh uh to her own life but yes that's another another quote that shows oppression and resistance um or and and empowerment but it also shows resistance uh seeing as how dana resists um the the power that that the white the white folk have in that time and she still wants to teach the children how to kind of, you know, learn. Um, yeah, just she's taking her yeah. matters into her own hands in that situation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and then there was another instance in uh, chapter four where Rufus actually um, is in his own kind of situation that he he is in love with a black female. 
which obviously <laughs> in, in the past is not really something you are allowed to, or you you'd be shamed if you were a white male um and and you 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 liked a a black female well and during um, during the early 1800s uh there were in a lot of state governments there were laws that forbid uh yes. interracial activity of any kind exactly um so rufus actually takes advantage of this um this girl and he does it out of love because he knows that he can't legally um kind of have any relationship with her she does not like that um she actually marries another man um and this is kind of the first instance that you see uh rufus uh who is uh dana's great-grandfather um kind of be really like mad like he he's he is kind of turning into his father in this chapter and it scares Dana because Dana has always kind of seen him as a younger child and somebody who she believes might might do good in the in the world, okay. um, might might like actually bring some light into the the eighteen um, hundreds uh, with slavery and all that. But he actually so while he takes advantage of of um, this girl named Alice, she uh, Dana kind of figures all of the pieces out. And then confronts Rufus. And Rufus gets extremely upset. Gets really mad. And then in chapter 5. He buys Alice as a slave. Oh wow. Un- a completely unfortunate situation. Yeah. He. he um, se- uh, his, uh, Alice's husband. Is actually sold to a plantation in Mississippi. It's, it's a terrible situation. And it's really unfortunate. Because Alice had children. With this other slave. And they also were sold. Um, oh, that's horrible. So it's 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 really bad, and it it gets really sticky. But it again shows oppression and empowerment, um, because you know he has that power and he has that that kind of sense to him where he knows he's allowed to do these things and he gets he can he can get away with it, which is really unfortunate. Um, so yes, and yeah. So do you have any like kind of information or things you're thinking of there yeah i mean i think that from what you're telling me that story sounds like it is um it it exemplifies the extremes of of that situation because the so when, when the slave system first started in the early uh well really in the 1500s if we're talking in spain but uh in the 1600s if we're talking the british um mm-hmm. it, it's it's initially seen as a, as primarily an economic institution. And and obviously it's completely wrong and completely inhumane and awful, but, but it was actually in the 1800s that it got even worse. Um, So Mm -hmm. in, in 1809, the slave trade is abolished. So America essentially says slavery is still legal, but we're not going to take slaves from other countries and bring them here, which should have been a step in the right direction. But, uh, as as Southerners realized that uh, you know the North was industrializing and didn't uh, wasn't going to need slavery as much and was kind of moving forward, the South instead of trying to back away from slavery actually doubled down on it and they tried to justify it using a whole bunch of different uh, arguments. They tried to justify it using 
the idea of Darwinism. They tried to justify using religious arguments. They tried to justify using all these different ways. But in the 1800s is when uh, master-slave relationships got so much worse. Um, and the, the, the racism and the power dynamic that you're talking about is, is exactly... Mm-hmm what led this already horrible and humane situation to become even worse because these slaveholders felt like they were invincible. They felt like uh, these people who they were enslaving were, were property that didn't deserve anything. Um, and the, the treatment that you talk about is, is horrible to hear, but unfortunately it was really common during that time. Um, so based on the era that you're, you're talking about and the characters, you know, it seems to me like it, it's, I'm sure that happened in a lot of different instances. So I think that's a really mm-hmm. probably unfortunately accurate example of what uh, life could have looked like for a lot of people during that time. Exactly. Um, and then there are, so there are six chapters. And then in the last chapter, chapter six, Dana uh, stays with Kevin, her, uh, her husband for uh, uh, an extended period of time. She stays inside. She does not want to leave so that whenever she does have to go back and see Rufus again, she can be in a contained space. Right. So she finally goes back to Rufus. Um, and Rufus sold Alice's, like all of Alice's children as slaves. So all of her new children are all sold. So obviously Dana, again, gets extremely upset, kind of loses it with Rufus. It's, it's, it's kind of a sticky situation for Dana because Rufus is really old now. He's, He's kind of really matured and strong. So Rufus loses it, sends her to the plantation and out into the fields. Rufus kind of comes to and notices, you know, I, I kind of need her. So he brings her back and was like, oh, I'm so sorry I did this to you, blah, blah, blah. Rufus's mother is um, still alive. Uh, Rufus's father died in chapter five. Um, so Rufus took uh, over the plantation um and alice is still here at the plantation but uh unfortunately in this chapter alice is found dead oh wow um she she could not take it with rufus anymore and she took her own life um rufus was just way too much for her um, yeah, this, is a, this really this is a tough book man yes this this book is really gets really in, into the detail um, and it's, it's unfortunately true, um, well, which is the hard and, part to kind of read. And with. That's the thing is if it's going to be accurate and powerful, it, it has to be exactly. a really tough read because it's exactly. such a tough subject. It's exactly true. Um, and so, uh, Rufus then actually comes to and is like, you know, that's right. I'm trying to be a good guy here. I'm trying to be nice. Um, and try, I'm trying to be as nice of a slave owner as I can be. So he certifies his children that he just sold uh, from Alice. Um, he certifies them back, um, and they are free. So they are actually free African Americans, which is great. Um, but unfortunately, Dana kind of had to push him to do it. Yeah. Um, and in the end of the chapter, Dana is found with Rufus. Uh, kind of, they're just alone. Um, and he actually tries to take advantage of her and he tries to rape her. Um, and she actually kills him. Oh, wow. She stabs him 
Um, and I mean, it, it, I'd say it's good for her, but of, of course it sucks. I was going to say, um, I don't condone murder, but good for her for, uh, <laughs> but good for her for exactly. fighting back. I mean, that's, that's, exactly. he, he, he did not deserve, uh, really anything at that point. So exactly. Uh, and this, this really is one of the main instances of resistance in the book. Um, and, and, and it kind of takes over the entire rest of the story. Um, it, it's, it's a short rest of the story. That's basically the end of the book, but it, it, it really kind of takes a good look at the entire book shows everything that he's done. You know, it, it goes over all the bad that he's done and then ends with, a kind of sweet note, but also at the same time, obviously, murder sucks. But um, that that is one of the main, main, main resistance uh, points in the book. And it, it was very, very kind of sweet to see a, a decent end of the book as to where Dana now can stay in the future and stay with Kevin um, in Los Angeles. So, yes, that is... That is um, the majority of what I wanted to go over, but uh, do you have any kind of ideas there that you're, you're thinking of? Yeah. I mean, I, so first off, I, I kind of want to read this book now because it sounds like a really interesting <laughs> uh, perspective of, you know, of multiple time periods too. Um, yes. So. so it sounds, it sounds brutal, but it sounds like it's an important read. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the connections that I was making while you were describing that is, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe's book Uncle Tom's Cabin uh, that came out shortly before the mm. Civil War was a really prominent book that showed the brutality of master-slave relationships um, and mm. that helped convince a lot of people how awful slavery was mm. and I think that uh, you know whether it's Kindred or whether it's Uncle Tom's Cabin or whether it's something else I think that it's hard for yeah. us to imagine how like yes we all know that slavery is terrible we all know it's wrong but i think it's hard for us to imagine how horrible it is until yes. until we really uh can can at least read about that experience uh since we since we don't see it today but i, I think exactly. that that makes it so much worse it makes it so much more real uh to see those kind of experiences so i imagine reading that book is a pretty powerful uh experience in that sense Yep, that's very true. Um, but I also I want to uh, kind of get your. Uh, have you ever watched the movie Forty Two? I have. I have. It's a great movie. Okay. Actually, uh, when I so taught, it, a, I used to teach a class called Sports in American <laughs> Society in Randolph uh, when I taught there, and I oh. showed the movie Forty Two as part of the curriculum. Nice. That's yeah. It's it's a really great book. Uh, movie, um, and it's it it's probably top three movies ever for me um as some people may know i am actually number 42 in baseball yeah. um for the main reason of jackie robinson jackie robinson was one of my one of my main uh favorite baseball players favorite uh of all time but i i kind of want to so you've seen the you've seen the movie what are some of the main things that you you really kind of liked or disliked or thought were good pointers in the basis of oppression, resistance, and empowerment. So one of the things that I thought was um, was a good lesson for me that, that I think I was, I would say that I was conscious of it, but I, I did not think about it enough, and I probably still don't think about it enough, 
uh, is that the double standard that people of color face in a lot of ways. So Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. uh, in that film, a number of times has people call him horrible names, have people throw things oh, yeah. at him, has people threaten his life. And if he ever were to retaliate for any of that, mm-hmm. he would be seen as more of a problem than the people who are starting that, than the people who are racist, all this stuff. So the amount of, um, the amount of uh, patience isn't the right word. I'm trying to think. The amount of like control that he showed through um, through that is is really incredible because uh, I, I think you know I, I I have never experienced anything like that because I am white and I have a lot of privileges. And I, have, I haven't had to deal with that stuff exactly. in my life. Um, but I, I mean, I, I feel like most of us would would crack under any kind of uh, of, uh, any kind of that stuff that he experienced and, and his exactly. perseverance and his will to not fight back uh, w- was really impressive, but it, he shouldn't have even had to have that kind of thing because of yeah. society was so wrong at the time. But I think Jackie Robinson um, knew of the challenges that he faced. He knew everything he was going to do was going to be under a microscope. He knew everyone uh, was going to criticize him unfairly in a lot of situations uh, and I think he just yep. showed the utmost courage and really uh, became a powerful figure, both to break the color barrier in baseball, but also I think for all athletes and for, for racial awareness everywhere. Exactly. Um, and you say the fight back part. That's actually one of the quotes I have right here. Uh, Branch Rickey, who is the, uh, the owner of the Dodgers, says, I want a player with the guts not to fight back. Yeah. That is one of the main quotes in the in, in the movie that really like it's it's in the first ten minutes of the movie. He's having a meeting with Jackie Robinson. He wants him in his organization. He wants him there. He wants to break the color barrier. But the thing is, is you cannot fight back because if you fight back, uh, you will be kicked out. You will be you you have the chance of being killed. I mean, there is so much that goes into it, and it really would basically end any possibility of another, you know, African-American playing baseball. Um, and Jackie, Jackie says, you give me a number or you give me a uniform, a number on my back and I'll give you the guts. And that's exactly what happens. And, and that, that is, it, it, it's seen everywhere. I mean, you have the Phillies manager who comes out of the dugout, keeps on calling him extremely terrible names terrible words are used it's it's sad to see um but you know it's it 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 happened which is which is one of the big things and one of the problems um but the thing is is this this is a huge uh, um movie for resistance because jackie has to resist 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 every single time he steps onto the field he he one of the games where he was playing uh, in the minor leagues, a cop literally on the field came over to Jackie and said, you have to get off the field, get off the field. We're not letting you integrate baseball. It's not okay. And Jackie had to resist. He got, he got off the field. He says, you know, okay, I'll, I'll get off the field, blah, blah, blah. That is, that is extreme oppression as well. He said, you know, you'll go to jail if you don't get off the and, field right and- now. To be, Which is, to be not allowed to even stand on a field and play baseball uh, because of something you can't exactly. control is just absolutely wild. Um, and one exactly. of the things that I was thinking about when you said um, 
when you said like you ruin it for breaking the color barrier, I think it's a great point. And I would go further and say that I think um, that double standard, I think, uh, is something that was so important because if a white guy uh, mm-hmm. at the time, you know, uh, does something horrible, um, for example, um, Martin Luther King Jr. assassinated by a racist white person. Uh, and after that happens, nobody makes blanket judgments about white people because of the actions of that white guy. Uh, and nobody, you know, if, if somebody throws something at Jackie Robinson or calls him a horrible name, no one says, oh, all white people are bad. Uh, if Jackie Robinson did yeah. something like that at the time, then people would make large characterizations about black people and black athletes. Um, and I think that's something, exactly. you know, today, I think um, you look at September 11th, which was obviously one of the most horrible things to ever happen in the United States. Um, in the aftermath of that, we see we saw a lot of Islamophobia, um, a lot of people who were uh, fearful or, or angry at Muslims, uh, even though there are over a billion Muslims in the world and, and only a handful of them uh, carried out September yeah. 11th. But then, you know, when we see uh, shootings like Sandy Hook done by a white man that's my age, uh, people don't make generalizations about me mm-hmm. um, because of the actions of that guy. So I think that Jackie Robinson had to deal with that kind of thing where where. Um, when you are in the minority, you, your actions, you, you, uh, especially during Jackie Robinson's time, his actions could be used to blame, uh, his whole race, which is totally unfair. Exactly. Exactly. And, and to kind of piggyback on that, but show the positivity, um, kind of in, in the ability of Jackie's empowerment of being the first, you know, major league baseball player that is African-American a young boy actually sits in the stands and he prays, please let Jackie show them what we can do, God, please. And that is huge because it shows exactly what Jackie is doing and why he's doing it, not only because he loves the game of baseball, but because he wants his people to have a chance. And that's that's one of the major things in this movie that really, like, it's, it's fun to watch and fun to see, you know, it, if I were to get a chance to go back in time, I think Jackie Robinson would be exactly who I want to see because I I want to like just live in, in in a game that he's in, see all of the racism that he had to fight against, and see like obviously if I were to live back in that time, I wouldn't know the end, um, and and, and the good that came out of Jackie being the first right. major league baseball player, but but having the perspective of knowing that he did actually you know break that barrier would just bring me so much joy to watch him yeah, kind I, of like just ex- I agree. Break, you know I, I think that um he you know because of how amazing he was he rose above all of that stuff and he he exactly. made all of those racist people look very small and very irrelevant and you know history has forgotten uh the people who were racist towards him and remembered him so that that's exactly. you know he's the winner exactly. in that situation uh, because he made such an impact and he made those other people look like the racist idiots that they are. So, and Jackie Robinson yep. probably and, when he uh, died had no idea how, mu- how he had no idea that his number would be retired in every baseball park in the in the country <laughs> and all those things. So you could go back and tell him that exactly, which would be pretty cool, right? Exactly, <laughs> that's very true. Um, and I, I talked a little bit about uh, the Phillies manager. Uh, he, 
they call him Chapman. Um, when he when he comes out of the dugout, he he he's just saying terrible things at Jackie. Uh, Jackie resists. He like he. This is one of the main parts of the the, the movie where he really has to resist. Uh, the the it, he cannot fight this man because he would it'd be bad. Um, so what Jackie does to cope with it is he actually goes into the dugout. He runs down the um, the the locker room, uh, the pathway that you know kind of connects the locker room and, and the uh, the the dugout. He smashes his bat and he he just screams, like yeah, he just I yells. That scene. Um, yeah, he he breaks his bat in the locker room tunnel. He just smashes it against the walls. He's screaming, and it it really gets his anger out. But at the same time, it shows the resistance in the in the movie. It's it's a very emotional scene. It's it, it, it gets your heart, it, it attaches you to the movie and just, he cannot take it out on Chapman because it would, it would be terrible. And, and all of the repercussions that would come from it would just not be in his favor. So it really, it really is a great, a great scene in the book or in, in the movie, but you know, at the same time, it's hard to watch. Um, it's a, it's yeah, a very hard yeah, scene to watch. Um, and in that same in, in that same um, scene, one of Jackie's teammates actually stands up to Chapman. He he runs over, starts shouting at him, "Stop talking! Stop talking!" You know, um, and Jackie actually hits a single right after that to kind of yeah, show him up. That was a good um, And later they go on they go on to win the game. So it it was great. Um, so, uh, and then at the end of the book, um, you kind or <laughs> I keep on calling it a book. Um, at the end of the movie, Pee Wee Reese, the shortstop for the, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time said, maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they can't tell us apart. That is huge. So Pee Wee actually is playing in his home field, uh, in, uh, they're, they're playing the Reds and he, he lives near Cincinnati, Cincinnati, his family's there. Who are all? Uh, he he explained to uh, Branch Rickey, the man or uh, the the owner, that you know his family is they, they kind of own plantains. They it, it, he's extremely kind of southern, um, and everybody's rooting for him. But the thing is, is they're all rooting against Jackie. So when they kind of stand there, Pee Wee Reese puts his arm around Jackie. It it shows that you know we all are together. Like we we're all conjoined. And why can't you see that, you know? Um, so that is one of the main, main uh, parts of the movie to kind of show, you know, we can all do this together. We don't have to be segregated. We don't have to be apart. Um, and the, you say um, when, when you were saying that his, his uh, jersey was retired in every single field by every single team, um, it actually is great because we now have in April uh, Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, everybody wears the, the number 42, just like Pee Wee Reese said. And it's, it's a really powerful day. Probably one of my favorite days in MLB, uh, like to watch the MLB games. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have it this year. But, you know, it, it's, it's great to see now uh, the, the love that Jackie has and people have for Jackie. Um, I so, agree. Yeah. I agree. I think yeah. that's one of the most powerful things, and it's something that shows, you know, um, the the role, you know, at the time uh, 
and you know, I think all the time now we could we could say it too. But the role that that allyship has, um, you know, and when when people are in more of a position of power or privilege, using that to um, to help other people and to to make positive strides in society, that's a great example of it. Exactly. Yep. And then at the at the end of the movie, it's a great great end and uh, wrapped the movie. Jackie hits a home run off of Oster Mueller. Uh, one of the best pitchers in the league at the time, and they uh, they actually win the pennant and go on to win the World Series. Uh, so it's it's a great scene um, to finish off a great movie that uh, means a lot to a lot of people, uh, and in a time that means a lot to a pe- uh, to a lot of people. So uh, yeah, um, but that's that's kind of a wrap on the movie Forty Two and Kindred. Uh, but do you have any other any pointers before kind of we wrap you know, this thing up? I uh, I just, I think it's a it's a great connection you're making between uh, between the book and the movie and talking about you know if you could go back in time uh, with something like that because I, I think it's a good contrast between like hey we have this time of literal slavery but then we have this time after slavery where there's still so much work to be done. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's a really great connection. Um. And I think, you know, we've made so much Thank progress you. since 1850, uh, even for 1815, oh, yeah. even from 1815 to when Jackie Robinson was born, <laughs> that's a lot of progress. And, but we can't yeah. sit on our progress. Yeah. We got to keep, keep going forward. So I think, uh, it's a good lesson. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I, that's it, everybody. Uh, thank you so much, Bowden, for coming on. Uh, hey, it means a lot. My pleasure but, for having yes, me. I so appreciate thank you. this discussion. Hey, thanks. All right. See you later. Have a good one. See ya.